Hello, nerds and nerdettes. Welcome to episode five of the Adventures in Novus podcast. We have a special treat in this episode for you, and I'm sure you will enjoy. Remember to go into the description to find our social information and like and follow our stuff. We have a map on Twitter. Anyways, enough of that. Let's just get into it with a recap from Anders. Uh, right. So a recap of uh, our most recent adventures. Right. So we ended up needing to get more info about the princess. So we decided to ask about town to see if any folk had any leads with this new information. In the process of doing that, I ended up doing what I do best, and that's getting pissed at the old sly fox. Meanwhile, the boys found some unscrupulous little twat hiding about in the alleyway, and we were sent on a wild goose chase like errand boys working for fiddler's pay. Our task was to retrieve the gem from the head of a carbuncle. No small feat. So, along the way, we happened upon some mingy little beasts busying themselves, pilfering from some local hunter's trap taking food away from good honest people. We couldn't stand for it, so we turned them into a fine red paste, In it? We captured the carbuncle, only to find out we'd been wronged. Now, to get back on bloody track. Thank you, Anders. Hello, critters and super nerds. We are back for episode five, and we have Crick, Anders, and Travis returning from what is now known to be a wild goose chase from a mysterious gnome they found in an alley in Fayhaven. I guess you can't trust mysterious people in alleys. That's a lesson to all you kids out there who really shouldn't be listening. Shame on your parents. It is still the 9th of Gosrin, otherwise known as Toil Day or Tuesday. And between traveling, fighting kobolds, and slaying an innocent carbuncle, it is the early evening. So are you guys heading back straight to Fayhaven? Or what are you talking about? What are you thinking about as you head back? Maybe because you guys met a game all week about battle tactics, you guys want to talk about that while you're marching along. No. Just <laughs> <laughs> straight up no. So are you heading back to Fayhaven? Uh, yeah. Yes, I believe this is where we must go. We want okay. To, we want to head back because we got to meet Gilly in the evening time to get a little more information from what he had because he was he was scared because Anders was intimidating on him pretty good. And he said, we'll come back when there's less customers, right? So Find more about these gnomes yeah. and their strange customs. Yeah, yeah bloody little people, isn't it? Now, now, Anders. Hey. hey. <laughs> All I'm saying is you can't trust them. Well, perhaps we can trust some of them, but not all of them, much like most groups of people, yes? Right, and that's why we're standing way the hell out here, with a dissolved gem in our hands, right? <laughs> Well, it kind of dissolves, so it's not really in our hands. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose that makes sense. Sorry, I got a little heated there. Your, your short people remark kind of got to me. <laughs> You're not that short of a people. Yeah, what do you mean? I'm not that tall either. I said little people. Like I reach up and my hand goes to like end his chest, me. <laughs> you look much more like a medium creature rather than a small creature. Right. It's true. <laughs> Definitely a medium creature. Well, you're creature. four foot nine, right? Four foot eleven. Four foot eleven. So your arm would definitely go up to Andrew. Gnomes are like three feet though, yes. right? They're yeah, like yeah, tiny they're, they're, little. They're actually yeah. small. Yeah. That's why I say they're a small creature yeah. versus he's a medium creature. So they're actually like half people. Yes. Yeah. Right. All right. It's like halflings. There you go. Same thing. Halflings and gnomes are small creatures, dwarves, and everything else. Elves and whatever are all medium. Even though dwarves are 
short like them, but they're still actually taller because they're more like three foot six ish. And they're but then they're just super wide. So just can't trust them gnomes. You ever watch their hands with their little fingers? You watch what they do. Connies. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm gonna need everyone to pull out a d20 and make a survival check to see if you guys can find your way back. Oh well, I think I'd like to just. Ooh. Cast a little spell before we get going, then. All right. What would you get? Uh, what would you like to cast? No direction. Okay. Takes one standard action. It's from the divination school. It is personal and it is to me. It's an instantaneous casting. Voice and somatic components. So, Travis does a little hand gesture, and he kind of whirls it around like a compass. And he, it says, "When you cast this spell, you instantly know the direction of north from your current position. The spell is effective to any environment in which north exists." but it may not work in extraplanar settings. Your knowledge of north is correct at the moment of casting, but you can get lost again within moments if you don't find some external reference point to help you keep track of direction. So you guys did go off like the common paths mm-hmm. to um, find Carbuncle territory. Correct. Um, what was that fucking bush called? Honeysuckle? To find uh, where honeysuckle grows and stuff like that. So you will find out where north is, and I'll give you a bonus of five to your survival check. But just knowing where north is isn't mm-hmm. going to necessarily lead you to where you want to go. I'll take it. I rolled a 19. Ooh. <laughs> I got 18. Very good roll. So you said plus five? Mm-hmm. 17. <laughs> so you all passed. I rolled a four. And it isn't long before you find that first hunter's path where you encountered the kobolds. And you're just like, oh, yeah, we've been here before. And then you kind of remember the way back from there. And as you are walking back, a sudden tropical downpour seems to come out of nowhere, Mm. which is not that uncommon in the Ativan. And it reflects the moods of our adventurers. What kind of protection do you guys have from the rain? Like, what kind of boots do you guys even have? I got my, what's it called? Explorer's outfit on, so it's got some some decent boots. The good paladins never caught outdoors without nice boots. So, Crick, do you even wear boots? Uh, I have the traveling boots that I've been wearing all across my journeys, but uh, nothing specific for this region. Okay, so you guys definitely have minor protections from the rain. As you travel down the smaller trapping and hunting paths, you find the bigger, more common path that led you there from the main road. The sudden downpour has made puddles all over the ground, making it impossible to miss them all, and eventually your boots are all soaked. Gross. Just before you make it to the main road that first took you to Fayhaven yesterday, the rain suddenly stops just as fast as it has started. The branches and leaves from the trees above you still drip large raindrops of water for the last leg of your walk. You notice the main road is now an impressive 45 feet wide to fit modern wagons as you take the drawbridge over the moat of thorns into the city. <laughs> you went to 45 feet wide. <laughs> Are you serious? You went from 5 feet to 45 it was feet. 10. It's 10 feet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, these guys are the one with the forest. They have like ways to move trees, and they're living in a city walled by trees. It's fine, you know. And this no is a fantasy land where things can happen. And you guys <laughs> wanted a bigger path, and all of a sudden, you know, there's a big path. They've been busy. Yeah, they've been quite busy. Hilarious. <laughs> and you take the drawbridge over the moat of thorns into the city with the sun's last full breath of light in the sky. 
So now you've entered Fayhaven. You're in the first area of the city, the trader section near the Sly Fox. What do you do? What time of day are we at now? So the sun is still in the sky, but just about to start setting. Perhaps we see if the small gnome is still there, although I think I think maybe he's got long gone. We think he'd leave over there. Yes, I think he sends on Wild Goose Chase, takes him our money. Oh, that name. I thought you meant Gilly. No. Oh. I was like, why, why would Gilly leave? From Anders, I learned all no. gnomes are the same. <laughs> this is called racism. <laughs> Can't trust him, it's all I'm saying. No, I no, We know he's not going to be there because he said he'd meet us tomorrow for the gym. Is this what happened? I forget. Yeah. Yeah, you were there, Crick. Come on. Oh, man. <laughs> well, since this was only a couple of hours ago, I guess I remember this thing. <laughs> well, the whole journey was essentially about four hours. Mm -hmm. Probably f closer to five. Well, perhaps we go back into the... Uh, what's the name of the... <laughs> the the sly, fox? sly Fox. Perhaps we go back into the Sly Fox. Sounds good to me. Is there any sort of things we need to get here? I don't know. Uh, what other kind of information? Do we need to sell any of these uh, things we got? Oh, yes. Yes. We, these, we want these to sell you guys stones. are soaking wet. Let's but, go warm up. Maybe we warm up the Dry. fire. Yes? I start a fire. No. <laughs> <laughs> the guards come and just <laughs> tackle you. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> the city's made of wood. You enter the Sly Fox, and Gilly Gillerson greets you. He has a fresh candle lit on his patchwork coned hat, and the expression on his wolverine-like gnome face notices how soaking wet you are. Oh, my Abadar! You guys are wetter than a fish! I hope you came to drink like one, too! Come, come, sit by the fire and warm your boots! There are six unoccupied rocking chairs in a semicircle around the fire, each with a small side table to take seats in if you wish. Oh, this looks like a very good place. I go have a seat. Yeah, I yelled towards Gilly. I'm like, hey, Gilly, uh, send me a number two of whatever it is today. So you take your seats, and as you do a quick look around, it reveals that the Sly Fox is a lot quieter than the previous night. It's basically empty. There's some bored courtesans, male and female, and they're in the corner playing cards. A couple wagoneers are at another table, and they're being pestered by an old trader. Doom, I tell ye. <laughs> there is also a giant of a humanoid you haven't seen before. He is standing and leaning against a wall where you guys now know is the entrance to the secret fight club. He looks exactly like Andre the Giant with a Tarzan-like mankini on. He has a cup and attached to the bottom of that is a string and a ball and he's desperately trying to get the ball in the cup, otherwise known as the cup and ball game. <laughs> The ball is definitely getting the better of him, but his stubbornness persists. The giant humanoid screams, Bad ball! And takes the ball and smashes it to dust on his forehead, crosses his arms, and slumps to the floor. <laughs> Anybody want a peanut? <laughs> yeah, so no, worry no, not! <laughs> Your rooms are once again taken care of for as long as you serve the Dragon Clan. Awesome. This is great. <laughs> we must just dry off. It's a tropical storm. is quite wet. 
Yeah, it's pretty rainy around these parts. Pretty I start thick. to like ring, ring out my uh, my silken ceremonial robes. You got a fire in here. Oh yeah, the fire's definitely going, and you guys are sitting in rocking chairs around the fire. <clears throat> Gilly hears what you're saying. He goes, "Do you have any clothes that you boys want to put through the ringer? Need some towels?" I, I suppose so. Yes. Yeah, you can like any cloak or whatever you can uh, give to him or anything like that. Traveler's cloak, yes, and uh, uh, some armor here. I just wear my clothes underneath. Okay, so the gnome calls. Aniston, Aniston, Jennifer. <laughs> a courtesan gets. <laughs> a courtesan gets up from the table. Please take these clothes to the ringer, darling. No problem, boss. I'll be there for you, cause you're there for me too. Oh lord. <laughs> <laughs> So this is fat if I cut, right? <laughs> you can do whatever you want. I'm having fun. So Anis and Jennifer takes whatever you want dried. And Gilly continues. I have some good news. I don't have to make up the number of the cost for your drinks. This strange homeless wizard with a fancy staff came in to pay for your first round. And then he fell asleep for two hours right there. And he points to another rocking chair. Is that the rainbow geezer? That sounds like neutral. This is rainbow. He, he walked oh, yeah. through a rainbow. He walked I through remember it. I seen it with my own eyes. Yeah, what, what's yes. the incantation? Balag Baga? God damn it. Bagor? Bagor? Baylor Baga? It's on here somewhere. Only because I listened to the recording and remembered. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah. Baylor Baga. Oh. Baylor Bega. Bega. Oh, okay. I didn't get the A at the end. <laughs> or Baylor Bega. Yeah, Bega. That's it. Well, then, uh, I, I, I'm going to, yeah, uh, Crick, Crick begins practicing how to teleport. <laughs> <laughs> I'll uh, say, uh, send my drink over any time there, there, Gilly. Where is this wizard man now? He just left. He said Baylor Bega, and he was gone like a rainbow. These, must, these are very magical words. I must learn them better. So, any food to go with your drinks? I am very pleased to announce that we have more than Kepi lamb stew today. My local trapper has provided some fresh venison. He told me someone took care of the cobalt thieves and they were stealing his game. Any venison steaks for you gentlemen only? And he just like starts scribbling on his chalkboard. Absolutely. He like looks at you guys after like scribbling on the chalkboard. Eyes you up a bit. Erases. <laughs> and he goes, well, you are regulars now. And then he writes something else. And then he shows you. Eight copper per plate. What a deal. Yeah. Finally, some proper treatment around here. It sounds wonderful. I'll have it. Excellent. Excellent. Lovely. Yes, uh, I think meals all around. Thank you, good sir. Thank you. Um, perhaps you could tell us where, where is your trapper? We, we are, in fact, the ones who uh, stopped the kobolds. Oh, I'll let him know. He's not here right now. He only comes once a day, and that was before you guys came. Um, Aniston Jennifer comes, and she gives you all just like a towel or like a blanket to put on your your wetness <laughs> 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 to warm up whatever you need to warm up, however you want to use the towel. Thank you, Aniston. And then Gilly goes off to uh, get your food and drinks. Yeah. Okay, so the plan then is, I'm going to talk hushedly somewhat so these guys don't hear. Well, I want these guys to hear, sorry. We want to talk to talk to Gilly a little bit later, and then we'll uh, wake up in the morning and go see 
Clay's presentation again, eh? Yes, I suppose so. Um, I'm not sure exactly where where are we going to go for for finding where this princess is. Well, I'm hoping that Claire, because she saw this, and this is this was news to some people. So maybe tomorrow she'll have something new. If there's a, I don't know, she said there's a lot of illusion spells. She might see something different this time, and we'll know what's not the same. Yes, perhaps. And may, maybe Gilly has some more things to say for yeah. us. Seems like we're going in circles. We always end up back in the same place we started. Yes, we have not accomplished much yet, but remember, we only have just begun. Have you considered the possibility that maybe our time is being wasted here on purpose? Purpose. Pur- <laughs> I always said porpoise. 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 The narwhal. The sea unicorn. My son has a stuffed narwhal in his in his bed. You so see, if it's if it's the gnomes that are linked to the kidnapping of the princess, and here we are relying on them so much, maybe our time is being wasted. Yes, perhaps. But remember, we, it's not all the gnomes that are bad. This is a, a a poor thing to decide based off of one bad one. You watch their fingers. I told you. <laughs> <laughs> well, um. I mean, Andy, I, I do believe what Anders is saying. It makes a lot of sense. Um, I mean, it might be, it might be just uh, spinning the tires here, right? So I didn't want to bring it up because I didn't want to talk much about it, but uh, I may have some connections uh, back in Trader's Haven if we wanted to make our way back there. Um, I mean, not today. I mean, let's go tomorrow after Claire or something like that. We'll catch a boat back. We'll bring a Kimbo with us in case there's any more crocodiles or anything. And uh, alligators. Creek. <laughs> 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 and uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's a bit of shady connections, so I, I didn't want to anger Anders in any way, but I, I have some shady connections anyway back in Trader's Haven. If uh, I want to shore up anything here, hear what he says tonight, and uh, we can catch a boat tomorrow. All right, uh, seems fine for me. Another day of meeting with Pick Tanks. Sure. Let's do it. Meeting with what? Pick Tanks. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Gossipers. Rumor rumor mongers. Uh, Crick pulls out his scroll case, opens it up, and has uh, has like some parchment in there and begins writing this down into it. <laughs> These words you guys have, for so many different words. Pick. Strange thank. things. Yes, pick. Thank. Thank. Okay, okay. Yes. yes. Uh, There's a new word for, for You're Crick. You're welcome. That's a new word for Nick. I've never heard that. <laughs> I've never heard them referred to as that. It's the king's English. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So Gilly arrives with your venison steaks. Mm. He gives a water to Crick, two beers to Anders, and one to Travis. <laughs> and Many uh, thanks. Yeah. We all regulars now. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Gilly, uh, what's with the uh, big guy over there? Oh, that's small fry. And he like, starts to whisper, Dom is a rock. If he asks you, he's my partner. He's a half giant. I use them to make a ton of money in the... And Gilly makes, like, air quotes up in the air. Fighting pits! <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. Well, Anything else I can do for you boys? I think we're set up pretty good here. We'll, uh, we'll see you a little bit later. These fighting pits, perhaps we can come back another time to deal with um, the unlawfulness of them, hey, Anders? Who's saying unlawful? Uh, I am Crick. Well, nice to meet you. <laughs> I believe you're Gilly. I know who you are, but, like, man, we don't need to use that word around here, you know? <laughs> I run a lawful establishment. 
The guards? No. Yes, I'm not quite sure how lawful, but it's not the point. We must save the princess first. This is a, a, another matter for another time. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and he just kind of like runs off nervously. <laughs> and so you guys have your meals and you have your drinks. And then you see Gilly. He leaves and you can see him talk to Small Fry, the half giant. And Small Fry nods and he gets up. Small Fry is now standing in front of the bar. And Gilly hands him a loot. The loot looks very small in his giant arms, but his sausage-sized fingers seem to hit every note as he carefully tunes it. <laughs> and he starts to play a sad melody on the lute. And then clears his throat and starts singing with a surprisingly beautiful voice, a stark contrast to the voice you heard before. <laughs> there was once a time when the dwarves would mine all o'er the dragon's spine. O'er the mountains they go marching to and fro from a place called Storm Shadow. Proudfoot was his name. Dwarf king of great fame, and then Kalam came. When the walls fell, the walls fell from the last night's citadel. The walls fell, the walls fell from the last night's citadel. Unbeknownst to him, a most terrible sin was approaching to his kin. Grotesque was he, leading the army, their doom he soon would be. The dwarves bravely fought, but it was all for naught, no match for the mage they brought. When the The dwarves tried to run, but the damage was done. From Kalam they could not outrun. If you venture close, you still hear the ghosts of the screams that were bellowed. Cursed are the lands because of Kalam, where the dwarves made their last stand. Because the And you hear clapping and hooting erupts from the <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> clapping and hooting erupts from the other busy table of wagoneers, and you can see from the courtesan's table open tears and tissues being used. Travis stands up with a small tear in his eye, and he's clapping too. He's uh, he's feeling that song today. Yeah. All right. And does anyone else have a feeling about the song? Have you heard it before? Yes, I like this last guy. I don't know who, his who he is, but uh, he owns this citadel, and it's, it's, it sounds very, very nice. <laughs> 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 he 
You guys can also roll a knowledge history if you'd like. No. About the song. I cannot. 16. So 16. So you crossed the Dragon Spine Mountains on your quest of telling the doom of the world that's going to happen before you met Anders. You actually crossed the entire Dragon Spine Mountains because Blarkstown is on the entire northeast portion of the New World. And you are now at the very top left part of the map. And the Dragon Spine Mountains are about 75% of that before you hit the Ativan. So... You have likely heard the tale 200 years ago where there were a lot of dwarves around the world and Kalam just all of a sudden came with a wave of death for them and completely wiped them out. So you know to avoid that area and you know a bit of the history about how the dwarves had a great sky citadel there, but now the lands are cursed and you definitely want to avoid that area. Aniston Jennifer comes with um, your cloaks and whatever else you gave her, freshly wrung, and she hangs them on a drying rack by the fire. Here you go, boys. And she kind of stands there, kind of with her hand out a bit, kind of slyly indicating that she might expect a tip. You can do a knowledge local to decide what a good tip is, if you like. I can't do that either. Me neither. You don't have knowledge local? None of us do. It says star. Okay, so you can either tip her or not tip her. It's up to you. So I'll toss her a silver piece. That is a massive tip. Is it? Yeah. I'll toss her her five copper pieces. (laughs) I don't know what is appropriate. She kind of like puts a finger along the top of your armor and she goes, thanks, hon, and then smoothly takes the five copper from you. Maybe I got something else you could ring out later. (laughs) (laughs) You just had to, eh? You just had to. Well, I gotta say that like... He doesn't doesn't say that for real. It's not illegal to bang a courtesan. But I just just, uh, had judgment upon her profession. Why? For being a courtesan. Why? Because she, I imagine, sexes people for money, too. It's just, a, it's a trade. Isn't that what they would do? Yeah. It's, yeah. Like, Las, it's, it's like Las Vegas. It's, it's completely legal. It's legal? Oh, yeah, all right. It's, well. it's 100% legal. So then I don't have a moral quandary no. with it. Oh, shit. Well, then I take it back. I don't edit out the entire judgment about it. <laughs> Leave in the tip and the, the, you can ring it out later. Yeah. <laughs> like, some paladins might be so hoity-toity that, like... It depends on your god. Yeah, and we have a chroma, so... I think you're good. You're good. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, like, it's not unlawful. It's not illegal. Um, It may be frowned upon by some churches, but definitely not your church. (laughs) Perhaps um, don't bet on slow horses. (laughs) Crick just nods and like... "Mm." Like that, you, like you just said something awesome. That's, that's her tip. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, a few copper on me. Mm-hmm. Um, because of the five that he gave, I give all the remaining three copper that we have here. Thank you, boys. That is most generous. An exorbitant sum for such a small chest. Yeah. Thank you, boys. That is most generous. And she's just like totally stoked on that tip because that is quite a bit of money for a tip. 
Hey, if we're going to get any information around here, that's probably our best angle right there. Yeah, Tip sense. Any <laughs> any actual actionable information? Because we're just being led about our uh, our noses here. Why do you think I had my spent a night with uh, Hunt Helen over there? So he's on the right track. <laughs> she didn't have much of a track. <laughs> so you guys finish your meals and you finish, and it is quite good, by the way. Like way better than the fake lamb. And um, <laughs> what do you mean fake? Well, <laughs> I think people know by now. Even Crick knows. Lamps. He's the one that rolled the check on it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, what do you guys, what else do you guys want to do? Do you, do you guys just want to wait for the night to end? Is there anything else you guys want to talk about or do? I want do? to talk to Gilly, but he must have enough time to have gathered the information. So when he comes back, we need to speak with him, perhaps in private. Hey, do you guys need any more drinks? Uh, no more oh, for the drinks, but, um, you had some information for us. Ixnay, Intelway, Afterway, Ozing Clay, and then Gilly kind of, like, looks around. On a roll in knowledge, or in a roll in linguistics. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 28. <laughs> that is pig Latin, a fake language. <laughs> did did I understand him? <laughs> very common to children, including in Blarkstown. Nice. So I figured it out? Yeah. Good. Yeah, he doesn't want to talk until closing. Uh, what, uh, what, what time is this that it closes at? Do we know this information? When everyone stopped buying beer! Well, that that settles it. We are done for the drinks. There's other people here! Mm. Speak for yourself, Crick. <laughs> <laughs> so would you like another drink? Absolutely, you know it. All right! That'll be, uh... Checks his chalkboard. Five copper? You say that with hesitation in your voice, <laughs> little man. Five copper! And then he leaves. <laughs> Take one, two. Bloody hell. I heard you. Two for... Five copper. Five copper. Got it. <laughs> Yes. Okay. I think I think both of you are, uh, do much of this drinking, and um, we need to get on with it. So hurry up and drink your drinks, and then we get the information and we go. This is getting enough. Oh. Are you asking me to chug a beer, Crick? <laughs> I didn't know you had it in you. You're a, you're a party witch doctor, are you? <laughs> Well, if you say so. Um, actually, Crick's going to, uh, with his short spear, kind of poke the end into the fire a little bit and just kind of heat up the, the tip of his spear. Okay. While they're kind of drinking and doing their thing. Yeah, just like campfire shit. Sure, but at, at a certain point, uh, once it's hot enough... <laughs> he's going to cut himself. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually. He's, uh, he's going to pull, pull up, because he's got like wet clothing still, right? So he's kind of pulling up his pant leg, and he wants to just... Sear uh, his leg. <laughs> For what purpose? Uh, it's part of kind of what he needs to do. Okay. He's a he's a scarred witch doctor, like actual scars, and so it's it's to help him commune with his, with the ancestors. They respect the pain and the scars and the mutilations, um, which is part of why he puts a mask on. Okay, so take twenty seven damage. <laughs> uh, okay. 
No, don't touch it. Anders did smite evil on it. <laughs> I'm not evil. Ah. All right. So I'm assuming you've done this before, and we don't need to do anything fancy for that. I take great interest in this. You're burning yourself right now? Yes, this is yeah, what How do you boys trying. react to, you guys see your masked friend for the first time, and he's just burning himself. Bloody hell, Crick. You realize what, what, you realize it smells like burned meat in here now, do you? Yes, I, I don't mind the smell. What do you think of it? Disgusting, actually. Hmm, interesting. Bloody disgusting. So you like that foul poison you drink, but you don't like the smell of the meat. Hmm. Huh. Okay. No, it makes me think it's a burnt children, Crick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. And, well. he, and, then he, and then he has a PTSD flashback. <laughs> his face goes blank, and he just stands there holding his beer. Well, he found a way to stop Anders from drinking. <laughs> um, Crick's got his mask on, but un, like basically when he stabs himself, he's just like kind of gritting his teeth as hard as he can to just like <laughs> lean into the, the pain of it. Um, awesome. Travis just watches in awe. He's just like, he just nods his head. He's like, yeah, whatever you got going on, Crick. Like, that's, <laughs> you, I can, you do I can you. Feel, feel my powers growing. And if, when, when these things happen, they, the ancestors, they demand sacrifice. Yeah. Because I definitely believe, like, not in, like, imposing any sort of judgment, really, on anybody. So. Well, and you've only known these guys. This is the second day that you've known these guys, too. So you may be hesitant to judge. Mm -hmm. Although Anders did open up to you, but he probably only did that because Crick was there as well. And you've obviously been quickly accepted by this group. They've, like, Anders would be able to sense if you were an evil person. And you guys have gone through a lot already. Why is it that you days. think Anders can sense if he's evil? Because he's a paladin? Yes, but he specifically does not have that ability, as we've many times talked about. Does he get it ever? Never. Because that's part of his backstory. No. Do I become an untortured paladin? No, I guess you weren't a tortured paladin. At Not the before. Time. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. But I am now. Before he was a paladin, perhaps yeah. level eight. Who knows? But no, now. PTSD yeah. paladin. He's a level one tortured paladin and level nothing paladin. But you guys have been through a lot and um, they obviously do trust you, but you still might be hesitant to judge your friends mannerisms yeah i don't take any judgment to it it's uh because i wouldn't want anything that i'm doing to be viewed as weird or uncharacteristic so like as long as he's not hurting somebody then that's okay with me just myself yeah all right then i have a bit of something to talk about yeah yeah, yeah go for it <laughs> speak your mind travis well i, I was thinking back to well the big creature we met, you know, uh, with the Kimbo and Claire when we first got here. The, the, the Bandersnatch. Bandersnatch, yes. yeah. And I was thinking and thinking, I'm like, I've heard that word before, okay? I, I, but I couldn't remember where. And finally I was I was out thinking and uh, seeing Anders talk to Aniston over there. And I was thinking, and, I, and I'm like, I, I, I knew it. And it was this, I had this mate, Colin. Okay, true fucking story. A real clean-cut guy. Well, one day, Colin decides, in all of his infinite wisdom, he's questioning his lack of knowledge with the opposite sex. See, Colin is betrothed to some fancy Sheila, and he doesn't know his way around a woman. So he wants to step out and have a little tryst with some sort of more experienced woman. So he goes to the worst place he can find on the edge of town to try and afford some, uh, you know, some privacy, and find a woman who wouldn't ever be believed if she said something about shacking up with dear Colin. 
So he goes through with this, and feeling better equipped to handle his uh, husbandly duties, goes back and marries the girl. Their first time together is a success on all accounts, except turns out Colin contracted some sort of disease from his uh, indiscretion, and he's now passed it on to his uh, new bride. So she kicks the bucket, Colin is rightly pissed, goes back to the woman and vows no one is ever going to be hurt by her toxic nether regions again. He fits her with a chastity belt and kicks her out of town. What do all these words have to do with large creature? That was the first time I ever heard that name. Colin said he banned her snatch. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure the words you're saying exactly, but um, perhaps this is jokes of your custom. Yes? Well, no, true fucking story. Oh. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it was on my mind. It's a right knee slapper, Travis. <laughs> I, had to, I had to get that off my chest. I like it. That's fun. <laughs> okay. Well then, that was a good story. And uh, <laughs> so, if all is done, you guys are content finishing the last of your beers. You notice that the final table left in the bar, besides you guys has gotten up, they've had enough, and uh, they start wobbling out of the bar. Here, do! Oh, I tell ye. And no one went upstairs to any rooms. And Gilly gives you guys the nod. No, I have a question. This, this person saying doom, he is the one I spoke to before? The exact same one. Mm, I give him a knowing nod. Yeah, he gives you like a little wink. Like, yes. I yeah. understand completely what the words you're saying are. Yeah, you guys are on the same level, for sure. <laughs> and uh, Gilly goes, Small Fry, will you watch the door? Smash the door? No! Watch! Watch! <laughs> oh. <laughs> Small Fry walks up to the door, stands two inches away from it, and stares at it intently. Gilly shakes his head, candle wax dripping back and forth as he does so and waves you guys over to the area where the barrel is that hides the trap door to the fight club. He moves it easily and heads down the ladder. Do you guys follow? Yes, of course. Yeah. Come, friends. We must go with him. Right. Down the ladder, you see a dirt fighting pit ringed with wooden staves to protect the would-be crowd. The pit itself is flat, but the viewing area around the pit is concave to allow good viewing for everyone. It's just as large as the bar above. The floor is all hard-packed dirt with stains from mead, liquor, blood, and God knows what else. Gilly climbs up the ladder after you guys all enter, and he makes sure the trap door is shut before coming back down. And he looks nervous. Can I do a perception check? Uh, what would you like to perceive? I want to make sure there's no funny business going on. Yeah, you can definitely uh, look around the room and make sure that's not going to be a uh, ambush, an ambush or something sinister going on. Uh, twenty-one beats me seventeen. Gilly's candle is illuminating a little bit of the room, but it is dim light. What is everyone's perception? Twenty-one seventeen. I pay no mind to these other things. Does anyone have low light vision or dark vision? I have dark vision. Yeah. I, I don't think so. No, you're a human, so... No. I think, yeah. 
So I, I think you forget there, but Travis did say yes, he also has these visions. Yes, I did hear. And so you guys don't notice any funny business around. Um, you can even, like, do you want to, like, walk around and look? Or, like, how, how are you perceiving? Do you want to, like, walk around and look? Or Anders is very distrustful of the little man. Yeah. And he suspects trouble around every corner. Mm-hmm. So he does a quick walkabout. Yeah. And um, no one pops out at you. Not, there's no, like, it's a very basic area, like I said. There's just a ring of staves around the middle and concave dirt all around. You guys do the tour, and you guys are the only ones in this room. I, I go up to Anders and kind of kind of lean into him and say, you, you must pay close attention to the words he, are, he is saying. If, you're, if, he's to, if he's to be trusted or not, either way, you must, know, you must follow his words very carefully. Right, you are correct. All right, little man, let's hear it. Let's hear it. So Gilly looks especially nervous, especially towards Anders, who has already intimidated him once. And he starts. All right, uh, look, uh, it hasn't been that long, but I have asked around, okay? And uh, I have an old friend. He still has ties to Sprinkerton and another shady fellow that owes me some favors. And honestly, what I have to tell you is as much as I'm willing to find out at this point. No matter how many drinks you buy or how much you try to bully me around. And he gets a more serious expression on his face. I'm a citizen of Guair. I make a happy living here and any more digging could compromise that. I'll get right to it. My friend from Sprinkerton doesn't think any gnomes are behind this. Even a small radical group. I'm going to tell you a little secret that no gnome wants to admit. We need Guair. We have what can be called a symbiotic relationship. Separated, we stand no chance defending another invasion from Kalam. And we're not stupid. Sure, we have our share of dickheads, but honestly, a war between Guerre and the Mushroom Kingdom would mean death to us all. We do not want to end up like the dwarves. We fear the Dark Wizard more than anything else. And we love our forest. Even the most evil of us wouldn't risk anything, in my opinion. Maybe a few gnomes turn for whatever reason, but I can't see it. I won't believe it. Right, convenient all that is. But how do you explain the, the gnomish symbol that was scrawled? That's how we found it, right? It's through the scrying vision? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, actually, and I had a question about that. Because uh, reading these things, knowledge, religion, I can see uh, symbols of deities or clergies. I don't know if that applies. No, you, it, was, it was explained to you that um, that symbol was specifically a radical group. Okay. That it was essentially like... A gnome al-Qaeda. Not religion. Yeah, it wasn't a religion. It right. was like... A faction. Special ops yeah. gnomes that fought in the war a long time. Although I would argue that it would, st I would still like to know a religion check on it because what if it is sort of some different iconography Real of something rooted. related to it? Yeah, rooted or like, in it. Or like a different piece on a different piece. Yeah, you can roll a knowledge religion just to make sure that you've learned everything about um, this symbol. Well, we probably wouldn't be doing it during this conversation. I would have already uh, have figured that out. No, I think uh, I think it's one of those mood point things. Cause yeah, bet, so we'll just yeah, forget yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, let me tell you first, because I also talked to my shady friend, and I've learned that Kalam has never stopped looking towards the Ativan. They suspect that there can even be a dwarven settlement hidden somewhere that no one knows about. No one knows why Kalam has such a hatred for the fallen race, but you better believe that if Kalam suspects there's a, there's a dwarven settlement, they will stop at nothing. Just like they've done in the past. And Gilly looks like tired and emotional. Travis looks over at Gilly. 
and says, Thank you. We really appreciate it. But he says it in gnomish. <laughs> Wait, sorry. I need to do it with my accent. Well, I'll be gobsmacked. <laughs> These are strange words. So Gilly just gives you like a strong nod and then turns back to the rest of you. And that's all I have for you, boys. Any more prodding and I could lose everything. I'm honestly cheering for you guys, though, to put an end to this. As long as Gwer and the Mushroom Kingdom stay allies, Kalam doesn't stand a chance with our combined magics and the forest. Which is another thing. The forest seems to be getting drained somehow, some way. To answer your question, Anders, this is how Kalam operates. Create turmoil from within. Create animosity between allies. And then they invade. To me, this has Kalam written all over it. And you can see, like, a tear starting to go down Gilly's face. Like, he's clearly distraught by all this. Like, he, he, he seems like he has a lot to lose from the things that are going wrong right now. I'd like to sense motive. Yeah, you can definitely sense motive. Yes, uh, Crick will try this as well. You too. 22. Six. I have a plus two bonus, so three. <laughs> <laughs> so Travis and Crick are... Just take a quick look, and they're very trusting of what they've heard from Gilly. And Anders takes a long, hard look at Gilly. And you can tell that despite your recent misconceptions about gnomes, that this is a good, truthful gnome speaking from the heart. I'd, I'd like to just point out that Anders takes a look, good, long look at Gilly's fingers, and he watches them really closely. <laughs> <laughs> he does not see the usual twitching about that he's used to. The skullduggery. The skull. <laughs> there is no uh, suspicious fingering going on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I didn't think I'd see the day, but we have here an honest and truthful gnome. Gilly looks up at you, specifically, Anders, and goes, Please! Help the Adivan. We cannot fall like the last Sky Citadel. What will be left of the world? I suppose charred ruins. <laughs> yeah. Doom! <laughs> and you do know something about charred ruins. I've seen it. I remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Same speech. I'll just play it again. Just, just cut and read. Yeah, just play it. Everyone, careful. He's caught in a loop. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah. So, so is that okay for you boys? Because, you know, I really got to start closing up. Well, perhaps one other thing, Gilly. Um, if, if you know not, if you think that none of these gnomes are part of any of this, what do you suspect? Like I said, this is how Kalam operates. It would be really easy for them just to grab a symbol and throw it there, knowing that someone would try to scry. This is not what I mean. Uh, uh, these, these princess, she's gone. Uh, you think that Kalam has taken her? I think Kalam is doing everything they can to create turmoil in the forest so they can try another invasion. That sounds pretty smart. Unfortunately, this, this, this means we don't have a place to go yet. We are still stuck where we started. Well, then I guess uh, tomorrow we'll meet with Clay and make our way back to Trader's Haven. Thank you, Gilly. You're a noble man. We must go. Please, boys, do what you can. 
I really need you to succeed. I love my bar. I love giving people drinks. Yeah. Scoop stands for a nightcap and then crash down for the night. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) So you guys get out of the fighting pit. Gilly gives you free drinks for anyone that wants it. Water, please. Okay. So he gives two drinks to Anders, one to Travis, and a water for Crick. Okay, then I make my way back upstairs to my room. Okay, yeah, so we'll do the final moments before bed, final night preparations. I hear the screams. (laughs) (laughs) So dark. (laughs) I have um, in the morning some preparations before we continue. Okay, and Travis is just going to go right to bed? Yeah, he's he's feeling pretty good after these... These beers. Okay. And uh, Anders right to bed. You attempts to, yes. Yeah. How many doors do you have to try? (laughs) (laughs) The first try. We learned. We give him room number one. (laughs) (laughs) Because there's nobody else staying there, he said. So So two people have a very good sleep. Those two people are Crick and Travis. But Anders... As soon as you fall asleep, you kind of enter like a dream-like state of sleep paralysis. You are in your bed at the Sly Fox, but you cannot move, and your body soon becomes covered in a light sweat. You're kind of in this state where you don't know if you're dreaming and if you don't know if you're awake, if anyone's ever had sleep paralysis before. I have. It sucks. As this happens, a light appears above your head, and you hear a humming sound. You can't make it out at first, but you realize that whatever this sound is, it's repeating. The more you focus on this sound, you start to eventually make out. Anders. Trust. I'm here. And then your eyes open and you take a huge breath as if you were holding it the whole time. Your heart is pounding, and the bed is covered in sweat. How do you react to all this, if at all? Oh, I'm rather alarmed, I'd say. These are not the usual voices I hear when I'm trying to sleep. (laughs) 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 This is a new voice. Perhaps a voice from very long ago that I... A deep part of Anders remembers, but he doesn't know why. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I'm sure you just fall asleep eventually after that. And morning starts and you wake up. So what does everyone do when they wake up? Uh, Crick has uh, something he must do. He, Crick spends some time in the morning to go outside of Fehaven and uh, brings his, finds a quiet corner, perhaps by a little stream or something like this, mm-hmm. leans his mask, his wooden mask, up against a tree branch, touching the water at the ground just a little, and also on the soil. With all this, he sits, pour, pours some more of the water from the stream on top of the mask, and sits cross-legged after a time for perhaps about up to an hour, and sits here contemplating all of the pain and destruction that this mask represents for him, speaking to the ancestors. The reason he does this is his mask is made out of a special material called green wood. Um, it is his mask is alive. 
it must spend some time every week like with soil and water and this is the one of the times he does this so also it part it is part of his everyday preparation for learning his spells for the day so he does this together okay awesome and then you head back to the slice box after all that's done yes and i'm assuming Crick is more of a morning guy, especially never drinking. And <laughs> I think uh, this is no problem for me, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and Anders and Travis have had a few, so they're probably just getting up. And I wake up, I do some light calisthenics in my like, room. Yeah. A few little sit-ups, push-ups, you know. Uh, I spend a bit of time with my arrows. I make sure the fletchings are on there right, and I uh, kind of sharpen the tips if I have some time, because I do have a whetstone with me. Okay, right on. They sharpen your bow. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, Anders? Anders takes an uncomfortably long piss. <laughs> Where? Into the uh, the chamber pot okay. of the room. Yeah. It almost fills up. He's quite worried. <laughs> He's getting dangerously close. <laughs> Evacuation complete. <laughs> We're all downstairs. There's nobody here yet. All we hear is this, like, into the pan. <laughs> like, first hitting, like, the, the metal, and, like, ding, and then it fills up. And he's like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> So, Crick enters the front of the Sly Fox, and Anders and Travis come down the stairs. It is the 10th of Gosrin, wheel day, and if you haven't guessed it by now, that's Wednesday, and I'm just going to stop explaining what day of the week it is at this point, and the super nerds will be happy. This is the third day of the adventure since leaving the docks at Trader's Haven. When you get to the main floor, the only person you see at the bar is Akimbo. He is sitting patiently at a table with a full glass of water that he clearly hasn't touched. Oh, it's Captain Goodtime. <laughs> hey, uh, Captain Akimbo, how are you doing this morning? I am well. Do you have any leads? Mm, I think we tried the leads, but uh, did not work out so well. Yeah, we got led around, all right. Dead ends is perhaps how you call them. Technically, you guys got a lot of leads. You got learned a lot about Kalam, that they might be behind it. It sounds like they... <laughs> like, you can tell Akimbo like, whatever you want. I guess we tell him that the gnomes are possibly not to be blamed. Much like we thought yesterday, uh, we, we don't think the, the gnomes are the ones responsible for this. Uh, it's much more likely something KLM does. Something about divide and conquer is is is, is their military strategy. We do know that uh, these carbuncles don't have the items we need, so this was dead end. We do think the gnomes are allies for both us and the forest. What say you, friends? Uh, anything else you think of? I've seen enough movies to know that I think she kidnapped herself. He's going to demand a ransom. <laughs> That's awesome. That totally <laughs> is the coming and, of age movie. And she's... looking at Derek, that's exactly what it is. That's exactly what I expected. <laughs> the right answer? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. To be honest, I am surprised your group has accomplished anything. Maybe I have underestimated you. It is sad about the carbuncle. That gem is not real. It is just more like a fingernail than an actual gem that reflects. 
to be honest, it would be a great benefit to be associated with the group that finds Princess Gertrude. A chance to restore my honor. I would like to help you more, if that is what you wish as well. Hell yeah, Kimbo. In what way have you lost your honor, if you don't mind telling? Roll a diplomacy check. These obsidian dice are so hard to see. Um, can we all roll? Yep. For that? You can aid. Yeah, you aid him. Probably better if you aid me yeah. if you can. 18. I asked the question. Saka. You got 11. What'd you get? Hmm? 24. 24. So you both aid him. So you got a 22. So Kimball is not typically forthcoming of personal information. But he does go under the table and he brings up a sword and he puts it on top of the table. And the sword is a flambard. But the flambard is cut in half. And instead of a point, it is completely flat halfway down the blade. And... He starts talking and he says, I am not as forthcoming to newer acquaintances as a drunken emotional paladin, but I will tell you for now that I am not favored in the community for a past failure. Perhaps over time, I will come forward with more information. But with the restoration of the honor comes the restoration of my sword. I want this greatly and your actions have proven I have a chance. I think we, are, we would be most most happy to help uh first and foremost we go for the princess anyways so i believe us all working together will help help each other no this is what i think as well masked man can i ask does does your sword have a name broken that's deep <laughs> this is a very apt name. Perhaps it was always meant to be broken. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Very creative. Nothing like blood letter or like <laughs> justice or something, but no, broken. Okay, we must go. It is almost time. So you guys follow Akimbo to the Sly Fox and you pass through the town on a sunny morning and you notice the town seems a little uneasy. You still hear the banging of hammer working fresh steel, wagon wheels turning, but definitely less chatter going around. Same kind of crowds, leshies, humans, some forest elves, and a few small folk outside. But all they just all seem to have less enthusiasm than the day before. You arrive at the Inner Bailey at the northern part of Fayhaven, the home of the Dragon Clan. The statue-like guards once again smirk as Akimbo approaches. They thump their flambard swords on the ground, and the large, thick doors with dragons carved into them open, inviting you in. Everything seems less formal inside. Elder Griff is already on his throne-like chair carved out of a tree stump, and Calyptos, the treant, is in front of him, and they appear to be having a conversation. There is no Binkmadri, there is no Nitral Haliard. Their chairs remain empty. The four warrior women, who seem to be Elder Griff's personal bodyguard are equally spaced around him in defensive positions. The bannerman is waiting patiently to the side, closer to the east where the large log mansion is. The dragon head banner of the dragon clan and the spiraling comet of Phrasma lazily blowing in the wind above it. Claire is in the middle of the amphitheater and she has her mirrors set up around the pool of water, same as yesterday. 
She's circling around, making sure they are evenly spaced, making minor adjustments here and there. Guards with flambards are still posted to the west side of the bailey, where the tree trunk sized staves are posted in a circle around a giant hole in the ground. There is only one other group here in the amphitheater, indicating that the other adventurers have either quit or they are following other leads. Can I roll, <clears throat> sorry, can I roll a perception to see if this group was here yesterday? Well, I was, I was just about to say that tattoos and clothing indicate right away that it's the Snake Clan, which may give you pause knowing from your intelligence gathering that they do not want Princess Gertrude taking over. Um, yeah, you can do a uh, perception to see if they're the same group from yesterday. Uh, 24. They are 100% the same Snake Clan group that were there yesterday. Let us take our seats, Akimbo says, pointing to an open space away from the Snake Clan party. Calypto slowly lumbers around to stand once again behind Elder Griff. Through his dragon skull helmet, you can see bags under Elder Griff's eyes. He nods at the bannerman. We once gather on the 10th of Gozran for another demonstration from Claire at the behest of Elder Griff of Dragon Clan. And you hear a boom as all the guards slam their weapons onto the ground. Guar welcomes you in hopes of a new discovery with a second attempt at the scrying spell to find our noble Princess Gertrude. Once again, all the weapons slam on the ground. Harumph. Yep. I didn't get a harumph out of that guy. <laughs> 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 Claire, are you ready to scry with the instructions from Calyptos? Yes. I will try to focus on the foliage and other plant life around this time, instead of the cabin and the princess herself. Excellent! The bannerman looks at Elder Griff, and Elder Griff nods slightly at the bannerman, and he continues. We shall commence! May Phirasma guide you! Claire nods seriously and once again goes ankle deep in the pool of water, which is four feet in diameter, ringed by eight silver mirrors. Sun reflecting off both the water and the mirrors, she sits cross-legged with the combing gown belonging to the princess. Once again, each mirror changes from reflecting sunlight to a dim light blue. The last mirror turns light blue and then the water. Claire's eyes open and they are now the same color. She gets up, walks around observing each mirror for a few minutes, then the water, just like the day before. Once she is done, she falls to her knees, but this time gets up faster than before. Kliptos moves over to her with his tree trunk-sized legs. Claire seems a little weak and whispers to Kliptos for a minute, Kliptos nodding along. After she's done, Claire comes weakly over to you guys and takes a seat as Kliptos then has a word with the Bannerman and Elder Griff at the same time. After that is finished, the Bannerman speaks up. It has been confirmed. We have narrowed the search, he says excitedly. Calyptos has confirmed that the vegetation and trees Claire has seen only grow in the southeastern part of the Adavan. Go forth and investigate. Bring back our beloved princess, Gertrude. Thumps again as everyone slams their weapons on the ground. Harumph. And remember, honor the plant, revere the tree, and cherish its branches. Elder Griff, as soon as the Bannerman is done, slowly gets out of his seat, and one of his bodyguards gives him a horn. He walks over to the western side where the staves are surrounding the hole in the ground, and he blows the horn. 
The ground slightly rumbles beneath your feet. The guards around the hole don't move a muscle as an adult green dragon emerges from the hole with a giant flap from its wings to rise up and perch on top of the staves. The gust of wind blows over you as you see this huge majestic creature about 20 feet long from head to tail. Scales the color of emeralds armor this ferocious dragon. A single sharp horn protrudes from the end of its toothy snout, not unlike a rhino. The claws from its legs and arm dig into the staves with claws almost the length of a man's arms. It has such a frightful presence that I'm going to need a will save from everyone. 13. Uh, what's, do I have a, where is that? Plus three, 12. 19. So you all fail your will check. Hmm. And you're all going to be shaken for 15 rounds. And because we're out of combat, that's really not that long of a time. So you should be fine. But you're definitely all shaken from this experience, lowering your stats. I think I might have pooped a bit. <laughs> me britches. Yeah. He, he does think he britches. <laughs> I think it was Anders. I think Anders pooped in my pants too. Look. <laughs> yeah. It's the only logical explanation. All the Guarians seem fine as they are very used to this dragon. The dragon lowers its massive head to the ground, and Elder Griff easily climbs to its back, as he has done many times before. And with Elder Griff mounted on top of the dragon, it leaps high into the sky with a giant flap of its wings in impressive fashion and then flies over the canopy of the tree wall surrounding Fayhaven in a southeasterly direction. Well, I guess Griff has got this, huh? Yes, uh, it looks like he's gone to see the princess on his own. <laughs> Everyone is trying to save the princess. We can still restore my honor and give you guys the 2,000 gold I'm sure you're after. Yes, the reward is one is a nice little bonus, but really we must uh, save the princess for all our sakes. In the forest. I'm liking you more and more, masked man. Does anyone want to roll a knowledge history about the dragon? Ooh, I do. 15. So 15. So, you know of a legend that says that green dragons help build Fayhaven. Hmm. I think this dragon's a good ally for this area. He helps build the, build the whole region of Fayhaven. Build it? How does he do that? He holds a little hammer and some nails with them claws. I think he works with the forest, I think, and makes the trees move around. Does he operate a jackhammer? I don't know what this item is. <laughs> right, they don't exist yet. Wait, uh, one moment, please. And uh, Crick pulls out his little notepad thing again and writes in it, jackhammer. jackhammer. <laughs> <laughs> I do not know this man, Mr. Jackhammer. <laughs> nice. So you guys can add to your quest log, find the jackhammer. <laughs> or Jack Hammer. Find Jack, comma, Hammer. So you guys done here? Yeah, I want to get on, 
get on a boat. Anything, or, right? Back to Trader's Haven? Is yeah. this where our next stop you think will be? Yeah. Hey, Claire, we're going to head back to Trader's Haven. You want to you wanna take the boat ride back with us wherever you're going? Uh, can we just uh, leave the Bailey? Uh, I don't feel well after seeing that dragon, I think. Yeah, sure. Well, let's uh, head back to towards where we can sleep. It's, it's the morning. morning. I, I don't <laughs> think we need sleep time. Come, Rest. come, Claire, come. Uh, we, we, we will go. Perhaps a change of scenery. So Akimbo follows as you guys leave the uh, Bailey. And Claire looks even more uncomfortable outside the Bailey than you guys do, even though you guys all feel recovered from the viewing of the dragon. And she says, ah, I don't feel well. Can we leave this place too? I feel like I really need to leave this place. This place is like, you mean in Fairhaven? Perhaps, yeah. perhaps you should come to Trader's Haven with us. Yeah. Akimbo will be our captain once more. Can I roll a heel check or something to see what's yeah, going on? Maybe. So you can roll your heel check as she grabs her face and hair at the same time and kind of shakes her head like she's trying to like ward off some bad thoughts. Uh, eight. I'll also do here. Am I able to do this? If you have, well, yeah, one of wisdom. Eighteen. Because I don't know magic, so I thought I'd do some at least a heal check. Yeah, and then if it's knowledge arcana, yeah. seventeen if it's knowledge arcana. So Anders and Crick on their heal checks, they notice that nothing is physically wrong with Claire. Nothing appears to be. Nothing appears to be otherwise, just that she's in mental distress. With your knowledge arcana, you don't sense a spell being cast, but you do sense some magic going on. There's magic in the air. You notice some natural magic that you can't quite put your finger on. Uh, friends, uh, Claire, uh, there's some sort of strange magic. I think it's uh, of a nature variety, but I'm not, not exactly sure what the problem is. Uh, As you say that to Claire, she buckles down and just goes, and then she kind of just gets full posture. Her hands drop to her sides, and then you notice that her eyes are slightly different colors. One's a darker brown and the other a lighter brown. Her jet black hair goes from looking nicely combed to disheveled. And she looks right at Travis and she says, Mother is calling. And we'll see you next time. What? Get fucked. Who's your mother? You must tell. Quick. Who is your mother and what does she do? (laughs) 